Hello, hello, hello. Welcome one and welcome all to episode number 127 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Reamer. I am back from my one-week podcast hiatus. I was in San Francisco last week. Uh, And all I can say is, I would say SF, not San Fran. I learned that there. No, no. If you're a tourist, you call it San Fran. If you're a local, you call it SF. SF, the culture there, completely different than Boston. In fact, I would say that San Francisco is different than Boston in pretty much every way. (laughs) What an experience that I had. And let's see, do I have any stories that are fit for air? Um, No, not really, (laughs) which means it was a great, great trip in a very interesting city. So yes, I am back from my one-week hiatus as we roll along here Saturday, August the 6th. We have one big story to discuss on the show this week, and of course, that big story is Brittany Griner. Uh, The biggest chapter yet in her saga took place this week. She was sentenced to nine and a half years in Russian prison for, again, having half a gram of hashish oil on her as she passed through security at an airport near Moscow last February. And before we get going here, I do want to make this very important point, and I apologize for my throat clearing there. And the point is, we don't know whether Brittany Griner even put these put these drugs or this half a gram of weed, we don't know that she put this in her luggage herself. It's very possible that Russian authorities placed the drugs in Griner's luggage. I mean, this kind of stuff happens all the time. So all the people out there, and there are sadly many of them, who are saying she got what she deserved, what is she doing, carrying drugs in Russia even just half a gram. What is she, crazy? How reckless? We don't know for sure whether this is even Brittany Griner's weed. That's number one. It would not be atypical for Russia to plant drugs on a high-profile American citizen, especially as they were aiming to invade Ukraine in late February. Vladimir Putin was looking for, and is still looking for, every every leverage point against the West that he can use. And Brittany Griner would be a perfect target, given her status as not just a celebrity, but as a black gay woman. Something that Vladimir Putin probably is not very fond of. But I mentioned the celebration, or not celebration, but yeah, in some cases, yes, celebration of Brittany Griner's nine-and-a-half-year prison sentence is just sickening. And yeah, I did hesitate for a moment, but nope, I'm going to say celebration. People on the right are celebrating this. You had uh, Donald Trump calling Griner a potentially spoiled person who went to Russia, loaded up with drugs, and everyone falls in line. I think we did this a couple weeks ago on the show, but it hasn't stopped. In fact, it's only intensified. Uh, Right-wing author Denise D'Souza uh, says it seems like the Russians are doing to Griner what the Biden administration is doing to nonviolent January 6 protesters. Here we go. Hard for us to feign indignation when the same thing is going on here. Tommy Lauren, always uh, a real thought-provoking person, uh, writes, Brittany Griner is a cautionary tale. She tweeted this. 
hate America, think it's oppressive, go to another country, play stupid games, and find out what oppression and no justice looks like. Too bad, too sad. And then somebody named Nick Adams, who has a huge following on Twitter, another Trump person, says, while discussing Brittany Griner's prison sentence, I think it's important to note that Russia would have never invaded Ukraine with Trump still in the White House. In a way, Brittany Griner's jail time as a result of her own activism in support of Joe Biden. In other words, she got what she deserved. Come muppence, says Nick Adams and all of the rest of those clowns. And that is just so grotesque on so many levels. And it shows that the vitriol directed towards Brittany Griner is just as strong in some areas of the U.S. than it is in Russia and in other hostile nations. And that is disgraceful. And here's another narrative that I'd like to debunk. Why was Brittany Griner even playing basketball in a place like Russia? Well, she was playing basketball in Russia because she makes way more money, as all women basketball players do, playing there than they do here. Now, Brittany Griner's WNBA salary is north of 200000 so she's not struggling by any stretch, but she is one of the most decorated female basketball players ever, one of the most decorated out-athletes ever. She's at the peak of her athletic prowess, uh, prowess? Easy for me to say. Let's try another word. She's at the peak of her athletic skill uh, You know, in her late 20s. She would be foolish to not try to capitalize on her earning power. And that's what she was doing. And that's what other WNBA stars are doing whenever they go overseas and play in Russia. So let's debunk that narrative as well. Uh, we did find out this week that Russia is ready to talk prisoner swap. Uh, This has been reported in the past. They want arms dealer Victor Boot, who's nicknamed the Merchant of Death. That was my nickname growing up as well. Um, And you look at that, and obviously that is a lopsided deal. You trade the Merchant of Death, one of the most infamous arms dealers alive today, uh, who delivered arms to countries and groups hostile to America, for Brittany Griner, a WNBA player, who had half a gram of hashish oil on her as she walked through airport security. And Paul Whelan as well is uh, imprisoned in Russia too. They're also trying to get him home. That is such a lopsided trade, no doubt about it. But, you know, how do you sit here and say, we can't do that if we're the U.S.? How do you sit here and say that we're going to let Brittany Griner sit and rot in a Russian prison in the time of her life for almost 10 years? 10 years! Because we're keeping Victor Boot. And would that trade, if it did happen, that swap, I should say, if it did happen, would that encourage other hostile actors to abduct U.S. citizens and use them for leverage? Maybe. But again, if you're President Biden, how can you sit there and say, yeah, we had an opportunity to bring Brittany Griner home, but... We didn't choose to take that opportunity. How can you say that if you're Joe Biden? And obviously the U.S. is, I'm sure, negotiating for a better swap, a less lopsided swap, but maybe that'll be what it has to be. And these decisions are never, ever perfect. And I would almost always err on the side of bringing the U.S. citizen home. So that's where we stand with Brittany Griner. And, you know, I love that. Well, I don't love it at all, but 
know, it is interesting that when this first happened, when we first heard of her detainment in early March, the narrative was keep this quiet, keep this through the back channels, don't make this political. And now it has blown up and become completely political, which was bound to happen anyway. Just more proof that the original muted reaction was the absolute wrong way to go. Uh, so Brittany Griner, nine and a half years in a Russian penal colony. Wow. I just, it's so, I can't even imagine what she's going through, but I can imagine the situation she's in. I mean, you can imagine getting drugs or something placed on you. Uh, and Brittany Griner has said numerous times at her trial, of course, she's taken responsibility because you have to do that. But she said, I never intended to carry drugs on me. I didn't even know I had the drugs on my per in my luggage. So that could mean one of two things, that she was packing in a hurry, and that's what she says, and the drugs were, you know, and she, and she forgot that she had half a gram of this hashish oil, or maybe they were placed on her. Either way, and let's even go with the fast packing. You can sympathize with that, right? I mean, maybe you're not planning a trip to Russia or an authoritarian country anytime soon, but you're packing quickly, you're in a rush, your mind isn't in it, it's out of habit, and you go to the airport in one simple, small, minuscule mistake, like bringing half a gram of hashish oil in your carry-on, can cost you nine and a half years of your life, nine and a half years of your freedom, if you hear that and your first inclination is to celebrate and gloat, then ugh, yuck, 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 yuck. <sighs> so that's Brittany Griner. I want to close here with a couple of more positive stories. The Commonwealth Games are going on. Uh, there are at least 40 out LGBTQ athletes in the Commonwealth Games, which take place between all of the Commonwealth countries. And Michael Gunning is a gay swimmer. He represented Jamaica as he attempted to qualify for the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, he ultimately did not make the cut, excuse me, but Michael Gunner tried to represent Jamaica. Um, he is now competing at the Commonwealth Games, as I mentioned, and he's part of a new uh, he's part of a new Tom Daly BBC documentary titled "Illegal to Be Me." And in this documentary, Gunning says that he was faced with incredible anti-gay vitriol when he returned home to Jamaica, saying, quote, representing your home nation in the Olympics in order to promote the cause of civil rights is certainly a unique definition of bringing shame to a country. You know, like that famous national embarrassment, Jesse Owens. That's a good line. He said, I was petrified to go back. I had to wear a bit of a disguise because I didn't want anyone to see me as a Jamaican international swimmer who shouldn't be representing his country because of his sexuality. So to review, as our Odd Sports contributor Ken Schultz wrote this week, after coming out, Gunning said he received so much homophobic vitriol and abuse that he had to dress up in a costume and mask himself in order to simply go out in public in his home country. And you hear a story like that, and it tells you why we do everything that we do. Because as inclusive as a situation may be in the United States and other Western nations, 
It's really bad in a lot of other areas of the world, including many areas of the Caribbean and Jamaica. This is what Gunning said recently at the Commonwealth Games. I think there's more that can be done moving forward. The Commonwealth Games can hopefully, can, can hopefully reach out to some very big organizations and governing bodies around the world and push for change. These games can't finish and have that be the end of the Pride House and all the conversations we're having about this. It's got to carry on. And that... The connections that LGBTQ athletes and LGBTQ people make with each other are a reason why it's so great to have these sporting events back in person. Uh, I don't think there are stringent COVID protocols with the Commonwealth Games either, like there were for the Olympics last summer or the Olympics in Beijing this winter. And that's good because a huge part of these international competitions, and we've I've written about this in the past and we may have mentioned it on the show, is... LGBTQ athletes, especially those from nations where being gay is not widely accepted, the ability for them to meet with each other and connect is such a huge positive to all of these events. And it's great to see that happening at the Commonwealth Games. And uh, Michael Gunning, definitely now one of my favorite international athletes. And I do want to leave you all with a Netflix recommendation. That's right. I believe the only time we've talked about Netflix on the show is when I crapped on the Colton Bradford series, uh, which I still have not watched. Uh, We'll see how Gus Kenworthy is going in his quest to teach Colton Bradford how to be gay. Uh, But Leo Baker uh, is definitely uh, worthy of a Netflix stock and a Netflix stock about Leo. Stay on board. The Leo Baker story is coming to Netflix August uh, August 11th. Um, Leo Baker has a very interesting story. Uh, Leo was headed to the Olympics last year to to compete in the female category, yet he surprised many when he announced he was going to forego the Olympics and instead transition genders. Now his journey to manhood and what led to that chance will be featured in a new documentary, Stay On Board, The Leo Baker Story. And it is great to see this kind of visibility and great to see this kind of documentary on Netflix. You think of the millions and millions of people who subscribe to Netflix nationwide and worldwide to have this kind of visibility on their front screens is a big deal. And hopefully people watch it, they check it out, and they learn a lot more about transitioning genders. And maybe this can put a little dent in a lot of the, uh, the very misplaced rhetoric surrounding this issue. Yeah, maybe not, but one can hope, right? Uh, So thank you for tuning in to another edition, episode 127 of the Sports Kiki. As always, download, listen, rate, subscribe. You can find us wherever you can find your favorite OutSports podcasts. We'll talk to you next Saturday. So long. Be good.